0: Good morning, everybody. My name is DJ Martin, church pastor here at Parker Ford Church. Welcome to our worship service this morning. It's great to have you with us, whether you're a member at Parker Ford or simply joining us online. We're so glad to have you with us as we continue our series on faith which we've called costly faith. We're looking at the Greek word pistis, which is translated into our English Bibles with the English word faith. And throughout this series, what we're seeking to do is expand our understanding of what it means to be a person of faith. You know, in our, in our culture, often we think of faith as uh, simply believing in something that's sort of unbelievable. Or we might personalize it and say faith is having personal devotions with the Lord. And while there's an element of both of those things, the Greek word pistis actually is a much broader word and has a more dynamic range of meaning than that. And so when Paul uses it or the Apostle John uses it or the other disciples um, implement that word into their writings, they don't necessarily just just only means something like cognitive belief in an impossible thing. What they're also talking about, and we've been talking about this each week, is a, is a believing faith or a sense of loyalty or allegiance. That word was used in Greek culture in a number of different ways. And so faith can mean trust, it can mean faithfulness, it means reliability, loyalty, um, belief, uh, genuine personal commitment and heartfelt trust and allegiance, and the biblical writers use the word pistis, translated as faith, in all of these ways in the New Testament. Now, not every passage crams all of that meaning into every single usage of the word, um, but the word is a very dynamic word that has a range of meanings. And so what we're doing in this series is we're looking at pistis, at faith, and then applying it um, to different biblical stories. Each week we take an Old Testament story, and then the following week we take a New Testament story from the life of Jesus and apply that principle of faith. Today we are in part two of faith when I'm betrayed. You know it's easy to have faith sometimes or it's easier to have faith maybe when everything's going well. It can be really difficult to be a person of faith, of allegiance, of belief, of trust, of heartfelt uh, trust and belief in God when things are really tough and so we're looking at betrayal. Last week we looked at the story of Hosea and how he was betrayed and how that was an example of the people of God's betrayal of him. This week we're looking at uh, the betrayal of Judas uh, towards Jesus, one of one of the twelve inner disciples who betrayed Christ, and what it what it meant for Jesus to continue to have faith in his Father even while going through that experience. We want this service to be interactive, just like we do every week, and so there's going to be opportunities to pause and work on a memory verse. There's going to be an opportunity to pause the video and have reflection both before and after the sermon, and so you'll you'll have opportunity to do that when you see the leaves, the floral print on the screen. That's your chance to pause the video and have a discussion or spend some time in personal reflection around those questions or the scripture or the memory verse. Our memory verse that we've been working on starting last week, we started in a new memory verse and we're going to continue to work on it this week and in the following weeks, is Galatians 2.20, the well-known verse. I'm going to read it once and then I'm going to invite you to pause the video and work on it on your own. This is Galatians 2.20 and it says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Galatians 2.20. Go ahead and pause the video and work on the memory verse, and then join us as we continue the service. The scripture I chose for our call to worship this morning, Psalm 95, a psalm that's quoted In Hebrews and maybe you'll catch the reference as we read it. I want to invite you to stand and read this out loud with me as we continue our service. Psalm 95 verse 1. Come let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. For the Lord is the great God, the great king above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth, and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. Today, if only you would hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did at Merabah This is a scripture that is quoted in Hebrews 4 when the author of Hebrews says, let's strive to enter the rest of God. You can be seated. That's what I want to do today together as we think about um, the story of Jesus and the betrayal that took place. As we worship together through engagement of the, the word of the Lord and prayer, let's strive to enter into the presence and rest of God. Before continuing on to today's teaching, I want to invite you to reflect on the following questions. Which of the 12 disciples do you most readily or easily relate to? Why did each of the 12 respond in the ways that they did when Jesus was arrested? And why do you think Judas betrayed Jesus? Have a reflection or a time of discussion around these questions and then I invite you to join us for today's teaching. In today's teaching, we're continuing our two-part teaching on faith when I'm betrayed uh, within the larger framework of our series, uh, Costly Faith. We're going to be looking at the betrayal of Judas and Jesus. So what we're going to do is we're going to do a quick survey. Not every single scripture that talks about Judas, although there's not a ton of them. But we're we're going to look at a few of the key scriptures that talk about Judas's uh, relationship with Jesus and uh, right up into the betrayal in the garden. And we're going to look at Jesus' own faith and faithfulness in God his Father as he walked through uh, this deep period of betrayal and pain in his life. And so uh, before we get into the story of the scripture, let's pray together and invite the Holy Spirit to teach us and guide us. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for the example of your Son, Jesus, who is the perfect example of faith. In fact Hebrews calls him the author and perfecter of our faith, of our pistis. And so we learn what it means to be a person of faith, of belief and loyalty and allegiance in you through the example of Jesus Christ. Everything else is submissive to that in the Christian faith. Everything is submissive to the story, the person, the example, the teaching, the life, death, resurrection, and reign of Jesus Christ. And so today as we engage this story, and the painful experience of the betrayal um, that your son went through. Father, shape us to be a people of faith that walk with you with the same type of belief and faith and trust as your son. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. So once again, this is in the larger framework of our series on faith, costly faith, and the working definition that we've uh, kind of been chewing on and working on and I've modified a little bit here in our series is that faith is a trusting belief in the faithfulness of God. So it's founded on the faithfulness of God, uh, founded upon the work of Christ. Jesus is the author and perfecter of our faith. It's impossible to have faith in God without it being founded upon the person of Christ. He's the author and perfecter of the faith. So faith is a trusting belief in the faithfulness of God, founded upon the work of Jesus Christ, expressed through loyalty and allegiance to Jesus. So the way that we express our faith is, yes, through belief, but also through loyalty and allegiance in him. Last week, when we talked about faith when I'm betrayed, part one, we looked at uh, the story of Hosea and his wife, Gomer, who he had purchased out of prostitution and had three children with, and then she left him and the kids and sold herself back into that lifestyle. And then God says to his prophet, go and purchase her back. And so Hosea goes and redeems his wife once again. And we looked at that cycle of betrayal that Hosea experienced. Today, we're going to be looking at faith when I'm betrayed and looking at it through the lens of Judas and Jesus. So Mark chapter 3, um, we're going to pick up in verse 7, and it's uh, Jesus uh, calling the disciples and, and setting the 12 disciples apart. We know um, a lot more about some of the disciples than we do about Judas. We know more about Peter, James, and John, um, and Andrew, Matthew, and some of the others, Thomas, we know a little bit. Um, We don't know much about Judas, we don't know how Jesus specifically called him uh, to be a disciple, but in Mark chapter 3, he's already following Jesus. He already considers himself uh, a disciple, but Jesus had many, uh, many disciples, and he sets apart for himself 12 of them to have special authority and a special role within his ministry. So Mark chapter 3, verse 7, it says, Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the lake, and a large crowd followed from Galilee. When they heard about all he was doing, many people came to him from Judea, Jerusalem, Idumea, and the regions across the Jordan, around Tyre and Sidon. Because of the crowd, he told his disciples to have a small boat ready for him, to keep the people from crowding him. For he had healed many, so that those with diseases were pushing forward to touch him. Whenever the impure spirits saw him, they fell down before him and cried out, You are the Son of God. But he gave them strict orders not to tell others about him. In the midst of all this, verse 13, Jesus went up on the mountainside and called to him those he wanted, and they came to him. He appointed twelve that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. These are the twelve he appointed. Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter. James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. To them he gave the name Boanerges, which means sons of thunder. And then he called Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. Whenever the scriptures list the twelve disciples, Judas is always listed last. In John chapter 6 is where uh, Jesus, right after Jesus had miraculously fed uh, the people with uh, the loaves and fishes, And then he is challenged by some of the religious leaders. They come to Jesus and they say, "Uh, Moses gave us manna from heaven. What sign do you perform? And uh, Jesus says the hard thing. If you want uh, to have eternal life or be in me, you have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. Of course, he is saying this to the most kosher people on earth and it offended many people. Well, Judas um, is here and he also is going to experience an offense in this, which is why I want to pick up. In verse 60 of John 6, it says, On hearing it, many of the disciples said, This is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, Does this offend you? So Judas is uh, likely one of these people who's offended by this teaching that Jesus says, Eat my flesh and drink my blood. Verse 62 If this offends you, then what if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The Spirit gives life, the flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of spirit and life. Yet there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. Of course, this is an illusion to Judas here, so he's saying right to his 12 disciples, I know that this is a hard teaching, does this offend you? And he says, there are some of you who do not believe, for Jesus knew, who would betray him. Verse 65, he went on to say, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled them. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. You do not want to leave me too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. Then Jesus replied, I have not, have I not chosen you, the twelve, yet one of you is a devil. He meant Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, who, though one of the twelve, was later to betray him. Now, many of the disciples who were following Jesus were hoping that he was the Messiah, but they were hoping that he was the Messiah in the way that they expected the Messiah to come. Now, Jesus never matches human expectations. He's something completely different and other. People were interpreting the scriptures, the Old Testament, the Hebrew scriptures, and, and bringing forth different promises, and they had certain expectations about what they thought the Messiah would be. A very popular assumption was that the Messiah would be um, some sort of military leader, a king, a true king who would reign and restore the kingdom of Israel, who would kick out the oppressors, who would, who would banish the, the Roman uh, soldiers and would restore sovereignty to the Israel nation and reset up the temple as it was meant to be. And purify um, the sacrificial system in all of this. And so the people, many, many of the people were expecting the Messiah to be a military conqueror who would establish a physical earthly kingdom, the restoration of Israel. And Judas was probably one of these people. He was probably a person who was captivated by the miracles and the teaching of Jesus by his personality. But he had a set of expectations and progressively as he walked with Jesus those expectations were let down into the point where Judas felt like he was the one being betrayed by Jesus rather than the other way around. We think of Judas as the betrayer, but almost certainly at this point in his life after following Jesus, and Jesus is not going to set up the earthly kingdom that Judas thought that the Messiah would certainly set up. Judas is almost certainly feeling like he is the victim in this scenario, that he has been let down, that Jesus isn't fulfilling the promises um, that he had hoped for, that he has been betrayed. So towards the end of uh, Jesus' life, this is the Passover um, before his crucifixion. In Mark 14, it says now, the Passover and the festival of unleavened bread were only two days away and the chief priests and the teachers and the law were scheming to arrest Jesus secretly and kill him. But not during the festival, they said, or the people may riot. While he was in Bethany, reclining at the table in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume made of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. Everything about this situation is frustrating to Judas. Here's the Messiah who should be setting up an earthly kingdom, who should be hanging out with powerful people, power players, the rich and wealthy, um, those with connections who can help establish the kingdom. Instead, Jesus is hanging out with Simon the leper he's hanging out with a leper and while he's hanging out with Simon the leper a woman who we don't know but a woman uh, comes and takes the expensive perfume and breaks it and pours it on his head and so now there's this catastrophic waste of money on top of this waste of time and instead of Jesus pursuing the things that he should be pursuing he's wasting everybody's time hanging out with these nobodies. Surely Judas is experiencing some sort of uh, disappointment as all of this is happening. Verse 4, some of those who were present were saying indignantly to one another, why waste this perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor. And they rebuked her harshly. And the other gospels reveal to us that it was Judas who had spoken this and that he was um, the money holder of the 12. He was the treasurer of the 12 disciples. But he used to help himself um, to the coffers. He used to take some of the the money and put it in his own pockets. Jesus answered in verse 6, Leave her alone, said Jesus. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you. You can help them anytime you want but you will not always have me. She did what she could. She poured perfume on my body to prepare for my burial. Truly, I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went to the chief priests to betray Jesus to them. They were delighted to hear this and promised to give him money, so he watched for an opportunity to hand him over. This this experience with the woman, with Simon the leper and the woman who pours the perfume, it finally, it's the straw that breaks the proverbial camel's back, it puts him over the edge and he he goes specifically to betray him. Now the title of this teaching is Faith When I'm Betrayed. Jesus is walking through uh, this brutal betrayal by one of the very people who should most uh, have his interests at heart and yet he's betrayed. Now watch um, the faith, think through the story of Jesus, what he walks through in the crucifixion story, and his faith and his loyalty and his allegiance and his belief and his hope in God that he clings to and he walks out to through this whole experience. Truly, Jesus is the author and perfecter of our faith, even while going through betrayal. Later in Mark 14, it says, uh, this is after he's prayed in the garden, when Peter and James and John have fallen asleep. And he wakes him back up and he says, For the time has come. Verse 43, Just as he was speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, appeared. And with him a crowd armed with swords and clubs sent from the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the elders. Now the betrayer had arranged a signal with them. The one I kiss is the man. Arrest him and lead him away under guard. Going at once to G- Jesus, Judas said, Rabbi, and kissed him. The men seized Jesus And arrested him. Jesus is betrayed with a kiss. Think about that. Jesus betrayed by one of his closest friends with a kiss. As the man calls him a rabbi. In Matthew 27, it picks up the tragic story of how Judas' life ends. It says, early in the morning, all the chief priests... And elders of the people made their plans how to have Jesus executed. So they bound him, led him away, and handed him over to Pilate, the governor. When Judas, who had betrayed him, saw that Jesus was condemned, he was seized with remorse. So when he sees that Jesus is actually going to be crucified for this, not just beaten, not just in prison, he's going to be killed for this. He's seized with remorse. Look at that graphic, pictorial imagery. He's seized, he's grabbed, he's, he's chained with remorse, with shame, with guilt. And he returned the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders. I have sinned, he said, for I betrayed innocent blood. He may not have been what I hoped he would be, but he surely doesn't deserve what he's going through. What is this to us, they replied. That's your responsibility. The blood is on your own hands, they say to him. So Judas threw the money. He couldn't even take it with him. He throws the money into the temple and left. Then he went away and he hanged himself. The chief priest picked up the coins and said, It is against the law to put this into the treasury since it is blood money. So they decided to use the money to buy the potter's field as a burial place for foreigners. That is why it has been called the field of blood to this day. Then what was spoken by Jeremiah Jeremiah the prophet was fulfilled. They took the 30 pieces of silver, the price set on him by the people of Israel, and they used them to buy the potter's field as the Lord commanded me. Meanwhile, meanwhile, Jesus stood before the governor and the governor asked him, are you the king of the Jews? The very thing Judas was hoping for. And Jesus replied, you have hoped so, Jesus. You have said so, excuse me. Jesus replied, yes, he was the king, but he was a king that did not meet the expectations, the earthly, fleshly expectations that people have for him. He is something totally different and more beautiful and more wonderful and mysterious than we could have ever hoped for. As we uh, wrap up this time of teaching, I want to I uh, invite us um, to put ourselves in Jesus' shoes in response to this betrayal. Here's his 12 disciples, they've all fled from him, they've been scattered. We've talked about that a few weeks ago in another related teaching. But here's Judas, one of the 12 that he's poured into for multiple years in a row that he's entrusted to preach and teach the kingdom of God, to perform miracles, who's walked around with the money uh, of, of the 12. And he's been betrayed, and not only betrayed, but betrayed by a kiss. What was it like for Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, to walk through this? With loyalty and allegiance to his father even while experiencing this type of pain and relational betrayal. So as we wrap up the teaching before the benediction, I want to invite you to reflect on the following questions. Why do you think Judas chose to betray Jesus with a kiss? Why did he choose that as the symbol of the betrayal? How did Jesus respond to the betrayal by Judas? Or for that matter, you know the, if you know the story, how did he respond to the betrayal uh, by the other disciples? And how does Jesus restore the other 11 disciples? Judas went and uh, ended his own life, but the other other disciples had betrayed him, or denied him, or scattered away from him as well. How did Jesus, what did Jesus do to restore the other 11 disciples? And what does he do to restore you and me when we betray our Father, when we betray our Savior? So go ahead, have a time of reflection, and then I wanna invite you to join us for today's benediction. I'm so thankful that in Christ we're not without hope. We're not a people like Judas who have to go out and end our lives. In Christ, we are one of his followers who, yes, have fallen short and betrayed our Lord, but like Peter, are invited back into the family through the restoration of the blood of Christ through his forgiveness and grace. Hebrews twelve twenty four says, You have come to Jesus, the one who mediates the new covenant between God and people, and to the sprinkled blood which speaks of forgiveness instead of crying out for vengeance like the blood of Abel. The blood of Jesus is not crying out for vengeance against the ones who have betrayed him, rather it's crying out for forgiveness and redemption. It's amazing, amazing love of God. For our benediction, I'm going to read from earlier in Hebrews, in chapter 7, a similar passage where it's talking about the incredible forgiveness of Jesus Christ. It says this, starting in verse 23, now there have been Many of those priests, since death prevented them from continuing in office. But because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. Such a high priest truly meets our need. One who is holy, blameless, pure, set apart from sinners, exalted above the heavens. Unlike the other high priests, he does not need to offer sacrifices day after day. First for his own sins and then for the sins of the people. He sacrificed for their sins once for all when he offered himself. For the law appoints as high priests men in all their weakness. But the oath which came after the law appointed the son who has been made perfect forever. As we close our service, I pray that you rest in this truth, that you rest in your relationship with our great high priest who has once and for all made propitiation, made payment for our sins, who has cleansed us through his blood, who has offered us redemption and reconciliation with the Father and with others. Thanks be to God. Thank you so much for joining us today. I hope you have a great day. Go with God. Be blessed.